Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of my podcast Explore and Engage with Anam. This is season 6, episode 2, and I hope you enjoyed the first episode of season 6. And um I'm just glad to be here. You know, as I expressed earlier, season 6, I can't believe that since 2020 uh that's when I first started podcasting. I have come this far that I am now recording season six. It's um, it's it's amazing. And thank you for all your support, for being with me, and for expressing your thoughts and opinions regarding my podcast. I appreciate that. So having said that, I want to start this episode. And I'll talk about something that I believe is a really important topic. Healthcare. Healthcare is important. I think we all can agree. I was looking at some data that are available on the website of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, also known as CMS. It's a federal agency. So CMS has published some data on healthcare spending. And I think we all know that healthcare spending in the United States is increasing. I think it's, it's, uh, I think everyone knows that, especially if you are in the field of healthcare, um, you would know it. Healthcare spending is increasing. So, according to the data that I saw, national health expenditure increased 2.7%. And it increased to $4.3 trillion in 2021, which is the same as $12,914 per person. And it means that healthcare spending in 2021 accounted for 18.3% of gross domestic product, that's GDP. So national health expenditure grew 2.7% to $4.3 trillion in 2021, and that's 18.3% of GDP. That is a lot of money, and that's a huge chunk of our GDP that's going towards healthcare spending. And that's not everything. If you look at the projection, that's even more shocking. National health spending is projected to increase at an average annual rate of 5.4% for the period from 2019 to 2028. And so, according to the projection, by 2028, by the year 2028, national health spending will reach $6.2 trillion. That is a massive figure. That is a massive figure. That's a lot of money going towards national health spending. 
And there are many reasons why it is projected to increase. There are many reasons, and I think we can talk for hours if that's what I want to discuss. But that I, I won't spend that much time in this episode. But one of the reasons, obviously, is the aging population. The United States has an aging population, and as people become old, we are all becoming old, we are all becoming old every single day, uh, we are aging, so um, a big part of the population would be seniors. So the senior population is growing in size, and naturally when people age, they have different healthcare needs that come up. People grow older, they may have a variety of healthcare needs. And that is something I think that is going to impact how much money is spent on healthcare going forward. Now, um, there are many policy solutions to make sure that as an economy we continue to be sound and I think part of the solution is to make sure that we have a strong, a very robust working age population, that we have a strong labor force, that we have the workers that we need to fill the different jobs in the economy, to continue to work, to make sure that, that the economy is moving at a pace that it should move at so that we can pay for all the healthcare needs of the population, the young population, the senior population, the entire population. So that's, I think, a very big discussion, so I'm not going to go into the details, but anyone who knows me would know I'm passionate about healthcare policy. In fact, I have a Master of Public Affairs degree, and when I was pursuing my master's degree, a lot of the elective courses that I took in graduate school, I took healthcare policy courses. So obviously it's a passion and, you know, I, I really care about senior citizens. I, I just really do. And if you go to my blog, if you go to the published opinions section of my blog and see all the things I wrote that were published in newspapers, you'll find um, lots of writings uh, pertaining to um, senior citizens. I just I just want to help senior citizens. That's that's a desire that is deep in my heart, and I care about people who need long term care. I care about people who um, who have different age related healthcare complications. I just want to make sure that as we are making all the new technological developments and advancements that we do everything we can as a society to make sure that the senior citizens are comfortable, uh, that they don't have any unmet healthcare needs, that all their needs are being met. We want to make sure that they are getting the services that they need, the care that they need in a way that um, makes them comfortable, in a way that makes them have a very nice life. So that's uh, really um, from the bottom of my heart. That's my feeling. 
And so as I'm looking at the national healthcare spending and how it's projected to grow, I just want to make sure that we as a society are coming up with policy solutions to address any kind of crisis that may be looming. So having said that, I will move forward, but um, I also do wish to point one more thing out. There's a question that frequently comes up in the discussion of healthcare, and that question is, is healthcare a right or a privilege? Is healthcare a right or is it a privilege? If somebody asks me that question, my answer always is, Healthcare is a necessity. We all need healthcare. And so it's a necessity. Food is a necessity. Clothing is a necessity. Shelter is a necessity. And the same way, healthcare is also a necessity. One cannot go on without healthcare. We all need healthcare. Can we go without drinking water? No. We need drinking water. We need clean drinking water in order to continue to live. Similarly, we need healthcare. So it is a necessity. And that's my answer. Now talking about clean water. Sadly, there are many places around the world where clean water may not be available. And there are many complex problems in this world, obviously. Uh, people in different parts of the world face different challenges, whether it's um, technology-related challenge, whether it's um, weather-related challenge, whether it's uh, harsh climate, whether it's um, something else, whatever it may be. There are many challenges that people face in different parts of the world. Here in the United States, you know, United States is considered the most advanced country the most advanced and really just um, a symbol of prosperity. That's what the world sees when people look at the United States. We are a symbol of hope, a symbol of success, a symbol of prosperity. Sadly, here in the United States, right here in the United States, I just found out, actually, I saw this in the news, there is a community, there is a city that is preparing to go without water periodically for up to 10 years because of a crisis. Can you believe that? Right here in the United States, we have a community where people are getting ready to go without water periodically for up to 10 years. And that's Jackson, Mississippi. I couldn't believe it when I saw the news. I just couldn't. Like, how can this be? But you can go look it up on the internet. That's what the news says. And it's because of fragile water pipe systems. The pipe system needs to be replaced. There are lots of pipes that would have to be replaced. And crews are working to do that. And in the process, families, hardworking Americans, just people living in Jackson, Mississippi, they may have to go without water periodically for up to 10 years. Just think about that. Think about the businesses in Jackson, Mississippi. 
if you are a business, if you are a restaurant, if you are a cafe, if you are a business, an office with, you know, dozens of people working, how can you go without water periodically for up to 10 years? Is that how long it's going to take to replace the pipes that need to be replaced? It is just sad. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go into the details, but um, now that I pointed it out, if you did not hear about it before, and now you did, so go ahead and look it up on the internet and read the news. Water crisis in the United States in Jackson, Mississippi. This, this shouldn't be happening. It is just sad. Talk about crisis. There's a lot of crisis in this world. A lot of crisis. And right here in the United States, we have lots of crisis. Inflation. I think I've talked about it quite a bit. Inflation is what we have experienced and continue to experience. High inflation. Now, recently I saw some news reports that, um, that inflation is slowing, that inflation is cooling. I don't, I, I don't feel that when I go to the grocery store and look at the prices. If I'm paying more than $5 for a dozen simple eggs, not organic eggs, not fancy eggs, just simple eggs, a dozen eggs, if I'm paying more than $5, I don't think inflation is slowing. And it's not just the eggs. I, I, I understand that because of bird flu, uh, certain things happened and egg prices went up. So I, I get that. But it's not just eggs. Most of the items, I believe, are still pretty expensive. That's my observation. I go grocery shopping, so I look at the prices. And I remember the prices we had two and three and four years ago and how different it is right now. Now, I understand that prices slowly go up over time, but prices went up really high in the last two years. And it's not coming down. Maybe it's coming down by a little bit, but it's still not back to the level that it used to be at. Prices have not gone down to pre-high inflation levels. Okay, So the, the price that you paid in 2020 or 2019, I'm not seeing those prices anymore. Even gas, you know, energy crisis. Another topic that I talked about quite a bit. Energy crisis, the price of gas. I was buying gas, um, I think on Friday, just a little bit, because I, I didn't have travel plans over the weekend. And so on Friday, I just purchased a little bit of gas. And it was... More than $3, $3 per gallon. Now, I, I don't remember if it was 3.1 or 3.2, but it was more than $3, and it shouldn't be that high. There shouldn't be a 3 in front of the price. It should start with a 2, maybe $2, maybe $2.10. It shouldn't be $3 or more per gallon, but it still is, and it's sad. Think about how much money, how much money left people's pockets just to pay 
for the effect of the inflation on the prices. People make a budget. They know how much they are going to spend on groceries, on gas, on different things. And then inflation happens and prices go up. And inflation continues to linger. Sometimes it strengthens and sometimes it cools a little bit. Maybe. Honestly, I don't see it cooling. Now, statisticians can tell you, oh, it cooled. It went down a little bit. You know, inflation is slowing. Prices went down a little bit by, you know, XYZ percentage, whatever. But when you are a hardworking American and you grow to go to the grocery store and you're looking at the price tags and you see the prices are still so high, it doesn't matter what the statistician is telling you. Because you look at your budget, you see how much money you have, and you look at the items you need to buy. It's just disheartening what's happening in this economy. Reckless spending, reckless government spending has resulted in this, in this calamity, in this economic calamity that we are facing. Consumers are still paying very high prices for things that they have to buy from the grocery store. People are suffering as a result. And talk about crisis, you know, I, I think, I think I have mentioned many times in my podcast, through my writings, in my blog, I've talked so much about illegal immigration. And I, I really wasn't planning on talking about illegal immigration in this episode, but I just, I just, I just have to, I you know, I see the news updates. I see the news updates and I say to myself, there's so much happening in the world and there's so much crisis at our southern border that I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. So I just saw that in the news and you can go verify what, I, what I'm about to say. So you can go and uh, do a search on the internet and find out all this information on your own nearly 300,000 illegal immigrants have evaded border patrol agents in less than four months that means since the start of the new fiscal year so the fiscal year started in October so since October nearly 300,000 illegal immigrants have evaded border patrol agents and they came into the United States. So this close to 300,000, this figure, it doesn't include all those people who were apprehended by border patrol agents. This 300,000 figure is, it, it, it's just the gotaways, the people who came in and were not apprehended by border patrol agents. So people who came in, slipped past border patrol agents, went inside the United States. Just in less than four months, nearly 300,000 people. This is a crisis. This is a crisis. As I've said before, the United States of America is a welcoming country. I'm an immigrant. I have been through 
the lawful immigration process. There are many people all over the world who are completing their paperwork, who are doing all the right things, they are following all the procedures because they want to migrate to the United States using the legal process. And so, as I have said in one of my op-eds, as I wrote in one of my op-eds, there cannot be two pathways, one legal and one illegal. We have to stop the illegal border crossings. We have to secure the border. And we have to have only one pathway for foreign nationals to migrate to the United States, and that is the legal pathway. The crisis that we see at the southern border, it cannot continue like this. We have to secure the border. We have to stop the flow of illegal immigrants. Now, I don't know if you're listening to the to this podcast, if you're a Democrat or a Republican or, or an Independent. I think we can agree that such a massive flow of undocumented immigrants, people foreign nationals coming into the country without paperwork, without authorization. This cannot continue. If somebody wants to have a discussion on how we can strengthen our legal immigration system, how we can improve our legal immigration system, how we can make it more efficient, more effective, that's a conversation we should have. That's a discussion we should have. If you are talking about improving the legal system, that's a conversation we can have. We can have policy discussions. I'm a policy analyst by training. I'm happy to talk policy anytime. But we must secure our nation's border and stop the flow of illegal immigrants. And when we have a border that's open, there are illegal substances that are coming in. There is human trafficking that's taking place. There are all sorts of crimes taking place. There are all sorts of violence taking place. So we need to put an end to this crisis. We have to secure the border. We have to stop the humanitarian crisis at our southern border. So that's my message. And I think my listeners can tell that I'm really passionate about um, about the issue of immigration because, you know, I let me just tell you what's in my heart. I think the United States is an amazing country. It's a welcoming country. People from anywhere in the world can come to America and become an American. That's what makes America so special. You can come to the United States legally and with hard work, with strong commitment, you can become an American. You can become a U.S. citizen. And that is so special about the United States. And so I think to ensure that we continue to have a strong economy, well, the economy is not strong right now, I think, uh, we have lots of problems, and you know some of which I pointed out, the inflation. But if we want to have a strong economy, if we want to continue to be prosperous, the kind of prosperity we saw even in the recent past, even in years like 2018 and 2019, when 
the economic indicators were showing the strength of our economy. If we want to have prosperity, we need more people. We need more people. We need a stronger labor force. And for that, we need immigrants. So I support strong legal immigration system, but I oppose an open border. I oppose illegal immigration. I oppose unlawful immigration. I oppose the unauthorized entry of foreign nationals into the country. We are a sovereign nation. We must have strong borders. With that, friends, I'll stop here. Um, Stay connected with me. Share with me your thoughts. I already mentioned, I believe, not in this episode, but um, I think I may have mentioned in the previous episode that I am working on a novel. Well, I actually finished my manuscript, and so now I have to work on getting my novel published, and that requires a process, and I have to follow the process. But I am, I am committed. I have, I have strong willpower. And um, with all of your good wishes and prayers, I will continue to try to get my novel published. So more information on that um, will be available. I'll keep you all posted. Uh, One of the best ways to stay in touch with me is to go to my website and to sign up for my e-newsletter. I try to send it out weekly. So please sign up for that. You can go to tossifanam.net. That is tossifanam.net and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There's a section where you can enter your email address and subscribe to my e-newsletter. If you do that, I would appreciate it. And also on my website, you can check out my blog. You can check out my published opinions. You can check out the books uh, that I self-published. I wrote two books of poems. One is called She Has Surrendered to Slumber. The second book is called Neptune's Dusk. Uh, Information on those books are available on my website, so you can go um, check those out. Share with me your comments. Let me know. Also, you can find me on social media. So stay connected with me. I look forward to hearing from you, and I will be back again with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam. Thank you.